B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sports Hub. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated. Archaic. And weird. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly. It's Felger and Maz. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. I like both of these guys. I do. Uh, Nick Cayley was a guy I think a lot of people in the organization thought should have been the offensive coordinator in 2022 when it ended up being Patricia and Judge. I think there was maybe some sort of disconnect there with Belichick in terms of, you know, basically maybe wanting more of a long-term commitment from Nick Cayley in order to get the title. And, and this is where it's changed. It's not just younger players. It's younger coaches, too. Like, I don't think Nick Cayley wanted to play the game of, like, well, you're tight ends coach or you're quarterbacks coach and you're going to call the plays but you won't get the title it's like you want me to sign an extension give me the title so nick cayley i like him and now he has sort of that imprimatur of of mcveigh on him zach robinson mcveigh guy as well passing game coordinator this sort of says to me that gerard mayo is going to do what i want him to do which is change this offensive system segue to an offensive system that is easier to learn easier for younger players coming in the league to wrap their head around because this thing was great when it worked with tom brady who basically has a pigskin phd but for everybody else coming in i think they were just getting bogged down in this voluminous playbook that was chris gasper the other night on sports sunday uh with yours truly on prospective offensive coordinator candidates for the uh, patriots zach robinson and nick cayley you can add a third guy to that list now at least the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback coach, Dan Pitcher, is supposed to speak via Zoom with the team this week, uh, maybe even today. And uh, that's where we're going to start today on a Big Boy Tuesday. Big Boy Tuesday means Greg Bedard, formerly Big Boy, medium boy, of the Boston Sports Journal, joins us in our Town for Tire Studios. How you doing, Greg? Good. How we doing, guys? Uh, Big Ma- boy. Maz Murray alongside as well here. Uh, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, that's FM dial 98.5. In Boston, simulcast across New England and the country on NBC Sports Boston. I'm going to start off the conversation by asking this question that fans always ask with players. And I always dump on these callers and these people who say, well, why would any player want to come here? And I think it's a a non-factor with players because you know how you get players here, and that's you pay them. But I think it's more relevant with this conversation because it's occurred to me. Why would a guy like Dan Pitcher ever come here why would he come here Dan Pitcher's the quarterback coach in Cincinnati he uh is next in line to be the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati because the current offensive coordinator in Cincinnati has just been hired by the Tennessee Titans to be their head coach what's his name again uh Brian Callahan Callahan okay so Brian Callahan has been hired by the Cincinnati Bengals I'm sorry, hired by the Tennessee Titans away from the Cincinnati Bengals to be their new head coach. So Callahan has gone from Bengals OC to Titans head coach. Now this pitcher is next in line to be offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. If your goal is to be an NFL head coach, which is what the goal is to be for all these guys, why would you leave Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, and the Cincinnati Bengals when your previous boss just got hired away on the pipeline to be an NFL head coach, why would Dan Pitcher ever come here and start over with a rookie quarterback, a rookie coach, and a roster that's starting from the bottom of the league? Why would he come here and take that job, Greg? I don't think that he will. 
I think this is I think this interview is about um you know going through the process, going through leverage. Look, now that the Bengals have an opening at offensive coordinator, now they have to go through the whole process. Not nope, my Sorry. fault. Just <laughs> two minority candidates in person. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen. Maybe they really like somebody else. Uh, but it, it's a chance to get in front of the crafts, Mayo, whoever's running the Patriots, uh, for what happens down the road. And also leverage against Mike Brown, the Bengals owner, who's known as one of the cheapest owners in okay. the league. I get why they would take the interview. Yep. I why do, would they take the job? I don't get why he would, he would take the job. You would, give you you would attach to Joe Burrow's hindsight exactly. for the rest of your career as long as you could. Unless the Bengals pushed him out or the Bengals wanted somebody else, and he, now he needed a job. Okay. But now it, it's occurring to me with a lot of these guys. It feels to me, and I'm saying that half sarcastically because it's beyond a feeling, the pipeline is through McVay's staff, Attaching yourself to a good quarterback like uh, Joe Burrow, etc. Why would any of these guys, Zach Robinson, Nick Cayley, Dan Pitcher, why would any of those guys leave the bosom of McVay, Burrow, Shanahan, etc. when those are the guys getting head coaching jobs? Just to start over here with a rookie quarterback, rookie coach, and a bottom-of-the-league roster. How are you going to get any of these guys? What if you like the quarterback that they're going to take? Okay. That's well, and a- the other thing is, guys, there's ego involved. They want to go. They Some of these guys want to go and run their own shop. I'm running the offense. I'm calling the plays. Look at what I did with this quarterback where, yeah, you, you could stay on McVay's staff if you're Zach Robinson, uh, it, but, you know, you're not going to get the attention that some of these guys do, and, and maybe that's the quickest way, but you are. You're right. You're risking a ton. Look at uh, the guy who went from Green Bay, who's there now, the offensive coordinator. That he had to deal with Zach Wilson, and he, already Mike Lafleur got fired as the Jets. He left the Rams for the Jets and Zach Wilson, and right. got completely ruined. And now he's starting all over. Yeah, so, back with the Rams. So I think, Greg, you're right. Like I understand why, say Dan Pitcher. Again, this is the current OC in Cincinnati, going to be the Titans head coach. I don't know what that guy does because it's Zach Taylor's offense, right? Mm-hmm. And I forget now, does Zach Taylor hold the play sheet? Does Zach Taylor call the plays? Yes. So the A, the OC there is, he's a side piece. And so on one hand, you would say, well, that guy wants to go somewhere else where it's truly his offense and he's truly calling the plays and he truly gets to prove himself. Except if you're going to get head coaching jobs, Without having to prove yourself, why go prove yourself? I, I, to me, the Dan Pitcher hire, like, and I know I've been saying I want the next guy in tight pants and one of these McVeigh Shanahan guys and the, the one of these bro offensive coordinators with the hair product and all this. And I guess Dan Pitcher is that. But on some level, I do wonder what what how does he? It's he's not calling the plays. It's not his offense, and it's Joe Burrow. Yet that's your next head coach? Like, I'd question Tennessee, but then again, that's what I've been wanting here. I'm just saying. You mean Callahan, not pitcher in Tennessee. Sorry, Callahan. Thank you, Callahan. I'm just. Yeah, yeah, you're mixing up closely cropped product using coaches in tight pants. Thank you. And they all mush together to me. They all look the same to me. 
Now, the little fly in the ointment of your argument, which I, I do think has validity, is Matt LaFleur, who left the bosom of Sean McVay, went to Tennessee, and didn't really do much. It's also similar to Mike McCarthy, left the 49ers, went to New Orleans, was offensive coordinator, didn't do much. Both guys ended up getting hired by the Packers off of one year as sort of mediocre to failed OCs. Yeah. I'm just getting, you know, to me, I think if Dan Pitcher's next in line to take over for Callahan in Cincinnati, I I don't know why he would come here other than ego. I want to run my offense. Well, why? Because the previous guy didn't run the offense and he just got a head coaching job. That's the whole game, isn't it? Definitely. Well, what if they what if they did pay him? I know, I know, it's a stretch. If the Patriots paid him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I would still say, well, now you're gonna bite your nose to spite your face. So you'll take a couple extra hundred grand to be the OC here, but your the the real payday is becoming a head coach. So to me, the whole game is what what gets me closer to being a head coach? And I don't know how you would say coming here to take over. Have I mentioned rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, bottom of the league roster? How that gets you closer to being a head coach? And Greg just gave it to me. Like, there's been other examples of it. It's just occurring to me. And it's a way to get into the current state of the Patriots and their staff. Where do you think we are here overall, Greg? Well, I think Mayo's off to a good start in terms of who he's interviewing um, in all three phases. So I'm encouraged by that. Uh, But I do think that yeah, I, I think that they are going to have to make a compelling argument um, to these candidates, especially, look, defense, I'm hoping that DeMarcus Covington gets the job. It would be, why would you do a, a grand departure on defense from from what you've been doing? And DeMarcus Covington, in my opinion, his defensive line the last few years has been probably the best coach team uh, on the Patriots. And so it makes a lot of sense that if you're looking for continuity on that side of the ball, that that Gerard at the end of the day would go with Covington. I'm hoping that's what happens. And then on offense, the three candidates that they've talked to so far are good, but I think they're going to need to expand who they talk to and, and cast a wide net because uh, there's a lot of a lot of balls in the air around the league in terms of who's going to end up where. And some guys, like you said, Zach Robinson, another factor with the Rams is with McVay, you never know when he's just going to up and quit. He's already threatened to do that. So do you think you're next in line for that, that you would be the next guy? That's also a factor in that. Okay, how about the GM thing? So we've started to hear names on the OC, nothing on GM. Is that intentional? Is that telling that the GM's back burner? Yes. I mean, look, they haven't even done it. A lot of these guys are are in the mix now, even though there's not a ton of openings for that position around the league. Uh, you know, but I do think that they are they are going with the coaching staff first that they have in Elliot Wolf and or Macro. They have people internally that they like or at least want to see some things out of. But things are starting to happen fast, like the Senior Bowls next week. Um, not that that's you know, uh, uh, it used to be a huge barometer on you wanted your staff done by the Senior Bowl. The way the NFL has changed the schedule as far as hiring and the minority process and all that. It's it's completely changed the the timing of things, but it sure looks like right now that the Patriots are going forward with what they have on the personnel side. Okay, and how do you feel about that? I don't love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, look, it's the same thing as the coaching search. You know, the two biggest hires are me. Neither. I, I wanted personnel is the biggest issue on this team. Do they have a lot of information that Elliot Wolf and Macro would have done things a lot differently? Maybe they do. 
and they feel comfortable with with some of the decisions that they would have made over Belichick. But to me, they needed to improve personnel first and foremost. That's why I would have looked for a GM first, hired a GM, then dealt with the coach. But, of course, they're doing this thing their own way in a variety of different manners. And uh, who do you think is leading the search? Do you think it's really Gerard Mayo? No, I think it's Jonathan Kraft and Robin Glazer. I think that they are spearheading it. And and Gerard even mentioned the Crafts at one point about their connections around the league in terms of filling out a staff and things like that. So I, I think I think Gerard's realistic. I'm sure he knows some people in the league, you know, whether he's working with his his agent anymore, his agent uh who works for Athletes First has a wide variety of coaching candidates uh under their umbrella. So there are options there as well. How do you feel about Jonathan Kraft and Robin Glacier leading the search? Um Yeah, that about tells it. I, <laughs> I mean I, I just don't I just don't know enough about the process. And it, in some ways, I hate it, but in some ways, I like it because I think they realize, and I think Gerard is honest about this, that he's Bill Belichick did like things that five different people would do, and Gerard's going to need a lot of help, and that he's open to it and accepting it, and they're giving it to him. I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but yeah, do you want to do you want a head coaching candidate who you know had this huge folder? When you go into interviews, you have all this with, these are my plans for the offense, for the defense, these are my coaching, these are the people that I would look at to fill out my staff. Gerard hasn't interviewed in two years. You know, where is his folder? What are his plans? So that concerns me a little bit. I I would want more of a head coach like Dan Campbell. When he stood up there with the Lions, he had a clear view on who he wanted to hire, bringing back a bunch of ex-players to be on his coaching staff. This is who he wanted. Is Gerard doing that? No. Is that a, a bad thing? Not necessarily. Not necessarily a good thing either. So current state of the Patriots as they're building their staff. That's item number one for Greg. Also, Gerard Mayo has been vocal about what the team's going to do this offseason. What and who they're going to draft. Really more what they're going to draft and what they're going to spend. Thoughts on that? With the big boy and you at 617-779-0985. Right after this. Now, now. I just hope burn some cash does not turn into full throttle. The focus is clearly on offense. I mean, he even said it. It doesn't matter. Players win games, coaches lose them. If you don't have the players who can score points, it's going to be pretty tough for you. He is he is telling you where his focus is when he's asked about, oh, what are you going to spend that pick on? You said it was going to be on a pretty important position. Yeah, quarterback, receiver, tech. His focus is on offense. He understands where this team is it is needy right now and it's basically every position on the offensive side so whether or not he is describing his offensive philosophy is similar to D'Amico Ryans or Dan Campbell or anybody else they just want to be good on offense they are so far from that that's where the money is going to be spent burned if you will Bill Perry on the early edition there with Trenny last night responding to Gerard Mayo on the radio yesterday on EEI saying we're bringing in talent 1,000%. We have a lot of cap space and cash. We're ready to burn some cash, says Gerard Mayo. What were your thoughts on that, uh, Greg? What are your thoughts on Gerard Mayo telling us what they're going to draft and what they're going to spend? Wow, I love it. It's it's refreshing. It's honest. 
Even in that interview, it's stupid. He was he, he was talking about uh, confirming interviews and all that stuff. So uh, I love it. As far as you know, what they're what they're going to do, it's a nice sentiment, and they have to do it because of the salary cap floor. They're going to have to spend money. But as far as bringing in talent, they've spent so little money. They have to spend a lot of money just to get to the floor. It's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. It is, I think, a horrible look. But anyway, go ahead. I think that it's a nice sentiment, and I'm sure they're going to do it in some manner. I'm just worried that they're going to end up overpaying for marginal talent because when you look at what's available in free agency, yeah, you could say, all right, T. Higgins, that would be a guy that you would bring in on a wide receiver, an important spot, upgrade you, number one guy. What if the Bengals franchise him, which they probably will? Then you go to the next guy, Michael Pittman, the Colts, who's good, probably has a lot of upside, probably also gets franchise tagged by the Colts. Now, all of a sudden, you're down to, you know, Mike Evans, Nelson Hollywood Ag- Brown, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne. I'd pay Aguilar again. I mean, you know what I mean? No, but I'm saying <laughs> right. just like that sort of thing all exactly. over Exactly. I mean, you look at offensive tackle, Tyron Smith from the Cowboys. He's probably not going anywhere, but he's old. He's, he's injured all the time. Great when he's healthy. And then guess who's number two on the tackle list? Trent Brown. Trent Brown. Number two, number 22 overall free agent. If you wanted sort of a temperature on this free agent class. Uh, say you want tight end. Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys. Okay. Nice player. Hunter Henry's number two. So, you know, uh, quarterback. Kirk Cousins. Are you going to be the highest bidder for Kirk Cousins with a team that's probably closer to the the Super Say Atlanta would make sense, and he's already talked about that he would be open to playing for Atlanta. Then you go down to Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett. So it's nice to say we're going to burn cash and we're going to definitely bring in talent. Where's the talent come from? It's it's going to be slim. Are they just going to overpay for people? That's when you get into trouble. You know, the sentiment of him, it, it it's harmless. I mean, I and I think he's being genuine. I mean, we all could have called that to say that, yeah, they're going to draft offense and they're going to have to spend money because they've spent so little they need to spend a lot just to get to the floor. So that's going to happen. However, him saying it just feels a little pandering-y to me. You know what I mean? It is pandering to fans. It's something it's Trenny sort of alluded to there. something the Red Sox would say. Totally right. Yeah, exactly. I had that same sentiment. It's like, Tell them what they want to hear. You know, so I, I and I, and again, I think he's not lying, and it's transparent on something that's kind of obvious. But still, like, there's just a part of me that goes, eh, really? We're going to go from one extreme to the other, where Belichick is just going to grunt out, or we're going to do what's best for the team, where the next guy says, hell yeah, man, we're spending a lot of money. It's going to be on offense, quarterback. Huh? It's like, boy, it's going from one thing to the other. Eh, a little too easy. But anyway... That's where they're at on that. Let's take some calls here for Greg, current state of the team. Uh, let's lead it off with Jimmy in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Jimmy. So I think the only way that you're going to pull, I forget the name of the quarterback's coach from the Bengals, but a guy like him to the Patriots is if you're going to tell him leading up to it that he's going to have the opportunity to work with a young and coming or a potential star sort of player. So I think it'll be indicative of – or the type of offensive coordinator that we end up getting will be indicative of the plan at quarterback we will be taking. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just think you're no matter who you draft there, you're going to be hard-pressed to improve upon 
Joe Burrow, which is what this pitcher is in line to work with as the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati working with Joe Burrow, taking over for the previous offensive coordinator who just got hired away to be the head coach in Tennessee. So I don't know how you present a better situation to that guy than what he's got currently got, providing he's next in line. Now maybe you know your path is for the second or third guy in the McVay system or Zach Taylor or whatever, and that guy's got a way to turn, and now you're you're allowing him to jump. But I, I don't know how you jump working with Joe Burrow or Sean McVay. I think that's just going to be a tough pull. Uh, here's Vic in Virginia. He's up next. Hi, Vic. Hey, guys. I, I mean, how long is McDaniels going to wait for Bill to get a job? Is this where you get a pitch to Josh and say, hey, come here now before you may not have a job? Okay, Josh McDaniels, does, uh, here's, I would say, the best news. The fact that they're interviewing these guys, whether they get them or not or whether they can lure them or not, it feels to me like they've moved on from the Josh McDaniels, Ron Earhart, Charlie Weiss, whatever you want to call it, that offense. Greg, can we say definitively that's what's happening? I wouldn't say definitively. I think that the Crafts are somebody who they really like Josh McDaniels. They probably don't mind that he has head coaching experience. And maybe they're looking for those type of people to be an asset to Gerard Mayo, to help Gerard Mayo. Now, is that something that would appeal to Josh McDaniels? I, I don't know. Um, I know that he has some, at least some other options around the league as things fall out here. Uh, but whether he wants to do that, move his family and that sort of thing, we'll have to see. That'd be a mistake. Be a mistake. Turn the page on that offense already. Seriously, like, th- th- like the only argument you can make me at McDaniels, and I'm just saying that I'm, I'm a no. Let me make that clear. Is that because he's used up his head coaching options, he, you're going to have him for a while. So that, you know, you'd be able to bring a guy along and have some stability and you don't have to worry about him leaving because who the hell is going to hire him a third time? So that's it. That, that, to me, that's the only asset, but I'm not doing it. Turn the page. That offense has run its course. You did very well by it. It did very well by you, but it is time to evolve. Joe and Randolph. Hi, Joe. Yeah, howdy, boys. Enjoying your show. Uh, everybody appreciates that the offense was pretty bad this year. Uh, now that we've lost a defensive genius, Coach Belichick is gone. Is anybody concerned that the defense is going to stink next year as well? Uh, Greg, Yes. I wouldn't think so. I mean, look, Gerard Mayo had a lot of input on that. He's he's as smart as they come on the defensive side of the ball. If it's him and Demarcus Covington, I have uh, a lot of faith that they will continue on with the progress that they've made. And look, it's about players at the end of the day. You know, who are you bringing back? Is you know, is Kyle Duggar going to be back? Yeah, how much are you signing him to? What are you doing at free safety? Is Christian Gonzalez come back? healthy in year two that would be huge what are you doing at the other cornerback spot are you going to keep jc jackson on the team after what he showed you this past year you know what about what are you going to do with matthew judon who probably wants a new contract again and is coming off an injury uh so i I, i'm less worried about the coach and the the mastermind stuff these guys have all learned under bill for years Bill's left a lot of that defense to Gerard and Steve in recent years. I'm more worried about what kind of players they're going to have. More your calls and three up, three down from Divisional Weekend coming up after Big Jim Murray gets you updated. Driving you home and driving you crazy. No one has any idea what the hell that means, but that's what that means. It's Belger and Maz on the Sports Hub. And now it's time for three up. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on 
is drawn by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Belger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, three up, three down. From Divisional Weekend with Greg Bedard. It's presented by Tullamore Do Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured. Tullamore Do Irish Whiskey. Because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. Who was your number one star from uh, Divisional Weekend, Greg? Patrick Mahomes. He just about played a perfect game. I mean, he's just, he's ridiculous at this point. And, um, to watch what they're doing with this version of the Chiefs, it, it reminds me very much of the Patriots, especially the their last Super Bowl run. They're just the quarterback, the team. They're just so mentally tough. It's 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 unbelievable. I would like to take uh, Greg's selection and enhance it to Mahomes and Auto. the two of them. I thought again, you know, it was really Mahomes, uh, but that's too obvious. So the two big guns for that team came up huge. And I, I put the blame on Buffalo in part for not covering Kelsey and taking him out of the mix. But regardless, he hadn't scored Murray in what, like eight weeks? Uh, or 11. Some, uh, 11 it was, it was, weeks. Yeah, it was week 11 was the last time. Okay, so he hadn't scored in all that time. He gets two in the playoffs. That's a coincidence? No way. Number two, Aiden Hutchinson. I thought he was outstanding. Eight quarterback pressures, uh, sack, two hurries, uh, two hits, five, uh, five hurries in the game. He's... I was a little bit leery of him being number two overall pick, but I think he's been outstanding for that team. Sorry, Murray. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, 30 of 43, 103.5 rating, two touchdowns, no picks, only got sacked twice for 10 yards. So, again, he got rid of the ball. He completed his throws. He got him in the end zone. Jared Goff was very good in this game. Jim, your thoughts? I don't know. Amnesia again. You know, no picks. Should have been. There should have been a pick at a crucial moment in that game, but it didn't happen. The linebacker dropped it. But I'm just reading the stat sheet, pal. That's okay. <laughs> no, the comeuppance happens this weekend. It's all right. Go ahead, Greg. Number three. The 49ers linebackers, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, they're they're absurd. They're, they're, they're so fast, sideline to sideline, so physical. It, it, it takes a toll as the game goes on. I thought they were outstanding. I like to pick people other than just quarterbacks and also people from losing teams. So, uh, you know, I have Isaiah Pacheco on this list because he runs so hard, but also Aaron Jones and Mike Evans. I hate Mike Evans with all of my heart. I can't stand him as a player. I don't want him in Foxborough. He was good on Sunday. He was like one of the only weapons they had. Number one dud from the weekend, Greg. Sean McDermott. I just, he... From his defense, he got outfoxed by the the Chiefs, went to three tight ends. Now, I understand the Bills uh, have personnel issues. They have a lot of injuries. They got A.J. Klein off the couch playing linebacker. But to me, the Chiefs on both sides of the ball, whether it was Spagnolo on defense, Reed on offense, I thought they completely owned the Bills in the second half. The panic for the fake punt call. Uh, what he's done with the offense, the firing, the offensive coordinator, like all that stuff. I just think, I just, I, I just don't think McDermott's good enough for Buffalo. Uh, to me, I went with what I think is rapidly becoming the most overrated unit in sports or department unit within the unit. The San Francisco defensive line. They're supposed to. They got more firepower up there than any team in the league. Bosa was good. The other three, eh. 
I love their linebackers too, Greg. But their defensive line is underachieving. I saw Eric Armstead out there on, you know, they're lining up, and I was like, has he even played in this game? I haven't heard him once, and he used to be a dominating force in there. Guys like six seven, like three hundred fifty pounds, and. You know, the Packers are good up front, but I wouldn't say they're the Hogs or anything. Number two uh, down. Uh, Ed Oliver, the Bills' defensive tackle, who they gave a contract extension, are paying $17 million annually now, and the Bills got completely owned up front. And Oliver, you didn't hear from him the whole game. Like he, If he doesn't impact the game, if he's not there, Chris Jones, which he obviously isn't, they have no chance in a game like that. McDermott, obvious. He effed that up. He should lose his job. Okay. Uh, real quick, number three. Uh, Denzel Perriman, the Texans middle linebacker. He got. I liked him in Vegas in that defense. He got spun like a top in that game. He had no clue what was going on. Houston offensive line. How many pre-snaps penalties in that game did they have? Seven, eight, whatever it was. Ridiculous. Okay. There are you three up, three down. We have some breaking news. This is breaking sports news. Powered by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. On 98.5, the Sports Hub. Oh, I'll do it. Uh, per Shams, blue check mark, the Milwaukee Bucks are firing head coach Adrian Griffin today. Now, when I didn't mean to do this, when Jimmy said. I thought when he, uh, same he thing. said, he said, Bucks have fired their head coach. I said, oh. There's the mystery team for Bill Belichick. I started searching Todd Bowles on Twitter, and I'm like, why isn't anything coming up? Todd Bowles done Bill Belichick to Tampa. (laughs) That's what I meant to do there. That's what I thought, too. But let me tell you, better news for me. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm surprised that guy made it as long as he did. What a bleep show the Bucks have been. The Milwaukee Bucks, B-U-C-K-S, bleep show. They gave up 122 to Detroit last night. One. I think they gave up 135 to Detroit the other night and won. It's a joke what has happened to that team defensively. And so something had to give, and it's the coach. Ah, now, the BUCS, I do still wonder if they're on the if they're if Bowles is on the chopping block too. Because Mike Florio has reported there are some teams lying in wait for Bill Belichick, perhaps. One team that has a coach opening, another team that doesn't have a coach opening. And when Jimmy said Bucks just fired their coach, I said, well, there's that team. The Glazers are going to go after Belichick. Makes perfect sense. Instead, Adrian Griffith, gone. Who, who's taking over? Yeah, it doesn't say yet. doesn't say yet. Bring back Boonholzer. I'm not joking. Bring back Bud. Where is he? I don't know. Drinking Buds. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knows how to coach up defense. Wow, so that took longer than I thought. All right, anyway, well, sorry for the false alarm. I, w- I wouldn't have broken in for Milwaukee Bucks. I thought it was Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> That's exactly what I but it was. What's going on? But I still think it's big news, though. Yeah, no, they needed it. Uh, they were slowly playing themselves out of the thing. I mean, they have the second-best record in the East, but if you've watched them play, it's a million miles away. They, they're in trouble. And so something had to give there. Maybe we'll circle back to that after four, after the big boy leaves. We continue with football thoughts with you. The B-U-C-S uh, and the B-A-T-S in our long commercial-free segment next. And their indication. Belger and Maz continue on the Sports Hub. The other reality here for Belichick, I'm told there are teams thinking about making a run or interviewing him, but it's kind of like you have to be ready to even put your toe in that water. Yeah, it's like, big news. How's the fan base going to react? Right. How's the... 
how's the media going to deal? Like, are we ready for this? Is this what we want to do? So, and of the teams, at least one currently has a vacancy at head coach, and at least one currently does not have a vacancy at head coach. I don't know who that is, but I do know that to be true. At least one has a vacancy, at least one doesn't, considering the possibility of interviewing and pursuing Bill Belichick. Okay, so that's the uh, Belichick angle. Jimmy Stewart said in my ear last segment, the Bucks have fired their coach. I thought, well, now we have our mystery team, Tampa. Yep. Except it was the Milwaukee Bucks and Adrian Griffin. And just to follow up on that, Shams is saying the leader in the clubhouse to take over for Adrian Griffin with the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA is one Glenn Doc Rivers. Wow. Whoa. Coming home to old Milwaukee. We went to Marquette. He's from Chicago, but be that as it may. Good. That means the Celtics will come back from 3-1 down in the conference series to make the NBA Finals. I like it. The Bucs need someone like that. Definitely. Someone who's been around the block. Oh, I like that. And just someone to say, you did everyone say, Umbutu. Like, give me some of that, Doc. Some Something like that. Somebody, and somebody with some sort of gravitas. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Great. I was going to honestly say Phil Jackson, but I maybe he's just out to pasture, whatever. Is he still breathing? I don't know. <laughs> But that's what the Milwaukee Bucks need. The Tampa Bay Bucks, I can't speak to. Uh, Greg Bedard still with us here in our Town Fred Tire studio. Your thoughts on Bill Belichick's market, such as it is? Yeah, I mean, look, it's similar to Brady at this point. Um, you know, pretty limited. I Do you guys have any thoughts? Did you guys talk about this yesterday and yeah. who these potential I mean, teams are? I do think the Bucks are one of them. I yeah, mean, the me Glazers too. are... Huge star efforts. They thought they had Bill Parcells at one point in time. John Gruden? Uh, yeah, Gruden. They love that stuff. And and if they just don't think Bowles is enough, and you have Jason Light there who might be like, hey, look, if we won't, if we brought Bill in here, it'd be similar to Tom. Like, we could, we could put this together. And I like the idea of Bill being with Mayfield if they want to keep him. Oh, Bill used to love him, right? Right, exactly. Like, that, that to me it feels like a decent fit. I was sort of anti-Bill to Tampa, but... I'll t- uh, given that Mayfield's there and sort of some of the pieces they have, their defense played really well in the second half of the season, and I sure as hell don't want him in Atlanta. I'm starting to think no one wants him. I was listening to Fred and Hardy this morning, and he Fred was making a good point about how Adam Schefter all of a sudden has been like, well, I mean, how does nobody want Bill Belichick other than this one team? It feels like Doth protest too much, and Schefter's like the PR arm of Belichick right now. I don't know if anyone wants him. Maybe they look at his age, look at his last four years here, look at his drafts over the last ten, and say, you know what, we're good. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought he'd have a market, so I could be wrong about that. I wonder if he's if he's tramping down his own market by demanding so much. You know, again, it, you gotta, it takes a lot, presumably, to bring in Belichick. You got to pay him a boatload of money. You got to clear out your building. You got to give him control of spending on the field, spending off the field. You got to hire all his kids, all his bobos, all the Nepo babies. You got to give them full control. You got to put up with the PR of that grump at your podium every day. So it's like, you know, it's a lot. It's not just bringing in a guy and fitting him into your world. You have to turn your whole world upside down for a guy who's only going to be there two, three years. So like, I, I wonder if Bill is being so demanding that he's killing his own market. I'd like to think that. Because what are some of these other teams doing with, you know, this guy or that guy or this guy or that guy as opposed to Bill Belichick? Like, think big. Go big. As much as I think the game's passed him by, for someone else, he makes more sense. But again, I don't know. I, I will say 
the other option, and I heard Mike Lombardi said this, I don't know, a week or two ago on his podcast where he talked about he wrote he 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 gave the possibility of Belichick sitting out a year, recharging, and it was more about what's not open right now but could be open in a year from now. Yeah. So maybe that's on the table. But in terms of Belichick, I mean, if you're one of these teams, say you're Arthur Blank in the Falcons and you're bringing in 15 different people and you're talking to them and you're talking to everybody from Mike Rabel to Bobby Slowick, how does Bill at 72 – how how appealing is that to you when you're like, all right, well, aren't we going to be back here in like three to five years? Why don't I just hire Mike Vrabel? Right. Who 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 has a lot more success with with out of quarterback in, in recent years than Bill does, and who seems to be Bill's equal in terms of game management. He he got one over on Bill with the whole delay of game and all that and the playoff game, beat Bill in the playoffs. Why don't we just go with Vrabel? More relatable to younger players, all of that. I mean, if Harbaugh ends up with the Chargers, Vrabel would be, to me, the next guy to go off the board. I still think the best fit for Belichick is a team that needs to win now. Again, Buffalo. Buffalo, fire that dumbass and hire Bill. Let's go. <laughs> so that's, that's, you know, that's one example. You've got a championship-caliber quarterback. You've got a ready-made team. You need something to put you over the edge. You need something to get you past Mahomes. Is there any single roster player that you could find that's going to do that? I mean, maybe, I, I suppose, a couple of receivers. I, I, or do you bring in Bill Belichick and have him try and match wits with Spagnola and Mahomes and all of that? I mean, well, here's my issue with the Bills, though, Mike, because, you know, and this I say, because I think you touched on this. How many roster changes have they already made? I know. You've brought in Von Miller. They got good defensive linemen. They got good linebackers. They had some injuries. Their secondary's good. Their offense, Bill, uh, uh, Greg, you can tell me about their offensive line and how good their offensive line is. Not that great. Okay, so maybe they need some offensive line help. They certainly need receiver help, but but they brought in digs before. Like, no, no. this has gone on for years. They need someone to get Allen over the hump. I need it, yeah, someone to, and also to help, you know, limit Mahomes. So you're going to sit there with your Schmenzer in your hand and just go forward with McDermott, or are you going to go for it? Well, and here's the other thing that the Pagulas, the owners of the Bills, have to be looking at. You know, I have a lot of respect with, for McDermott, but he he burns pretty hot. Like, he, you know, he did the whole offensive coordinator thing. I don't know how much him and Dayball really got along even when Dayball was there. And then he goes with Ken Dorsey, fires him in the middle of the year, goes with Joe Brady. There was the whole Leslie Frazier basically like walked out last year and said, like, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not coaching for him anymore. Did the Pagulas take a step back and say, like, you know, what's his relationship like with Josh Allen? What's his relationship like with Stefan Diggs? Do they step take a step back now with the next couple of days at now that the season over and be like is there really a path forward with McDermott, or do we need to make a change right now? So that's one. That's one where I would say that would disappoint me if you just go forward with what you got, which clearly is not getting you over the hump. If it wasn't this year, when was it going to be, as you said, Maz? At home against a Kansas City team that feels down. And so if if it wasn't going to be this week, when when is it going to be? Oh, what a mistake if they keep it. It's like Dallas with McCarthy. Same thing. There's Idiots. another one. Idiots. Uh, a couple calls here. How about Chris in the mail truck? Yes, Chris. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my take on maybe where Bill Belichick might be headed to a team with a head coach 
maybe uh, Kansas City, maybe Andy Reid retires at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, is that the first place I've heard that? Because I've heard other people mention that Andy Reid might retire. Yeah, there's some stuff Yeah, there's been some speculation. On yeah. social media this weekend. Okay. Wouldn't you just bring Eric Bieniemy back to be the head coach there? Yes. Well, you don't want Matt Nagy? Why are you Ugh. smirking? Because it, I mean, it's an interesting scenario. He moves from Brady to Mahomes. I don't see the Hunts doing that. <laughs> They're cheap. They're cheap I know. ass, you know. Oh, but I get aroused just thinking about it. Family owners, they don't want to pay Belichick. Never mind blow up the whole building. You know, they got their personnel in place. Andy Reid smartly came in years ago and said, I don't want personnel. So they got a whole department for that. They got a whole thing set up. It wouldn't work. And Bill's going to come in there with his, you know, and Bigfoot everybody. And, I, and they, I can't and they have, that. and they have what might be the best defensive coordinator in the league. Exactly. I mean, he's done an unbelievable job there. And they have that organization wired from you know Brett Veach as as GM, um, even their PR department. You know, Ted Cruz is is great. There. It's just, it's a completely different environment. I can't see the Hunts wanting to go to the 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 Belichick yeah. way of doing things. They're happy out there. Yeah. Everyone enjoys the experience and gets along and is happy. Here comes misery. Yeah, here comes this thing. What do we want to do this for? And pay out the ass for it? What do you think Gronk would tell Kelsey? About no, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, it'd be, a, it'd be an interesting dynamic. I get I get a tingle south of the equator just thinking of it. Let's pick this up on the other side first. A 90-second update from Big Jim Murray. Breaking news in the NBA that does affect the Celtics, I think. Here are the details. We B-Pod Studios. The Felger Maz Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for this? Do, 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 do. It's Felger and Maz. Oh, stupid, my oh, God. Oh. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Here is a look at notable free agents coming up. Uh, Mike Unwainu, Kyle Duggar, Hunter Henry. There'll be plenty of quality players around the league hitting free agency. Kirk Cousins, obviously the best available quarterback. Bengals receiver T. Higgins looks, uh, I think he'd look good in a Patriots uniform. How about Cowboys tackle Tyron Smith? A lot to choose from. Um, Hunter Henry, though, is on here. I mean, look at all those Patriots players. Uh, I, know I can't count that quickly, but there's a lot of guys. So who on, maybe who on their own roster might they want to keep around? I'm going to say on the offensive side, I'll give you two names. Mike Wenu should be at the very top of their list because outside of him, and he's not even under contract, but they don't have a, work, a workable tackle right now, a capable tackle on the roster. Micah Wenu, and I would go with Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, if you paid attention to Gerard Mayo's interview on WEEI today, was listed as one of two names when it came to the leadership category on the offensive side of the ball. He said David Andrews and Hunter Henry, who's not even under contract. So you have to get him signed, in my opinion, as just some measure of leadership. But he's also a capable player at a good position. So even if it's the franchise tag, Tom, it's not an expensive position. It's about $12 million bucks to keep Hunter Henry around. I think that'd be worthwhile. But Owenu and Henry on the offensive side, I think you start there, and then you start looking other places. It's hour number two with Greg Bedard. There's more Phil Perry last night on NBC Sports Boston, Gerard Mayo. Saying they're ready to burn some cash in free agency, so what do they spend it on? Those are some internal options. I'll get Greg's thought here in one second. First of all, I'm going to be giving away Bruins tickets coming up. Brother. So, you want some bees ticks? Stay tuned. Don't leave your radio. Otherwise, Greg, would you agree with Phil Perry's assessment when you're looking internally that Owenu, Hunter Henry are 1-2, or do you got something else in mind? Absolutely. You're talking about two positions, tackle, either tackle, and tight end, where they have nothing under contract for next year. 
And it's especially tight ends, not one of these that you can just uh, draft a guy and plug him in. So I think they have an interesting choice to make on which guy they franchise tag. I think for a Wenu, and, and it's an offensive line tag. It's not like tackle or guard or, or center. It's just offensive line. I think it's like $21, 22000000 million to franchise a guy on the offensive line. Uh, tight end is it was around, I think, 12. Well, he said 12, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that if I were them, I would be, I would open up the, the bank account for Michael Wenu, just re-sign him. And then I would, I would franchise tag Hunter Henry just so, all right, now I know I have a tight end who's a leader. I have Michael Wenu who, no matter what happens, can play guard or tackle really well. And then in terms of big picture, you're just talking about left tackle and wide receiver upgrading that. And then, you know, you, of course, you have to deal with the quarterback position, uh, but at least it checks a couple of things off the list that you have to do before things get out of hand. Okay. Your thoughts on that? Your thoughts on state of the uh, staff, uh, the interviewing that they're doing? Uh, Gerard Mayo, all of it. Uh, back to you, Peter in Norwood. What do you got, Peter? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Greg, just a question. Um, the Mayo thing, not that exciting for the fan base, but the potential to do something at the draft is the consensus is Chicago is going to take Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, the thoughts on potentially trading the two pick for Fields and taking Harrison Jr. with the third pick, is that resetting the franchise the quickest? Thanks, guys. Yep. Do you have a thought on that, Greg? Yet you get, you get so to who the, would be trading? So listen, here's your option: Jaden Daniels or Marvin Harrison Jr. And you use the second round pick to get Justin Fields. Hmm. That uh, it's interesting. I I would need to do a much more deeper dive on Justin Fields. I'm not the biggest Justin Fields fan. I don't think that he throws well enough. Now guys can change, as we've seen, uh, especially athletic guys. Um, We're putting you on the spot. Go with yeah, your gut. What, I, what would you do? God, I would I would go to the quarterback. I want the young quarterback. I don't want I want him on the rookie deal. I want to build around him. I want to see what I have with him. I would rather go with uh, Daniels or or Drake May and build from there. Stupid. I'm Fields and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is Me what too. I am. Yeah, I, I I don't know if Justin Fields can. He just had what's his name from Carolina who was traded to. Oh yeah, um, I know you mean. Yeah, just he just had a stud wide receiver oh, and they yeah. They, they DJ, DJ Moore. DJ yeah. Moore. I mean, they didn't do a ton with it. I mean, they got better as the season went on, but I, I just don't think it would be useful. To me, it's more about coaching there uh, and system and scheme and all of that, nurturing the quarterback. Nate in the truck. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, what's going on, Felger? I absolutely agree with you. It's all about coaching with Fields, but uh, that's been talked around a lot of what's going on with Harrison and Fields going in that direction. But, uh, Greg, how about this, though? You guys talk about free agency. Um, seeing that we have been drafting bad for so long, get the Jaden McDaniels or get the Drake May and then come after the draft. You, draft, you go after and trade for it, Justin Jefferson or these guys, Higgins, and do it that way because that's the only way you're going to get a legitimate guy. Uh, I disagree. You could go that route. I mean, that that's what the, the Raiders basically did with Devontae Adams. Um, it, that would be a viable option. Now, I do think guys like Calvin Ridley – Josh Reynolds, those are guys that are you know might not be quite as pricey. You might have to overpay a little bit for them, but you know Ridley, you would think has his best years in front of him. Um, 
and I, I think a lot of Josh Reynolds on the Lions, I think he's done a nice job. I just think the draft has become so target-rich at that position that, I mean, you're the only team that can't do it somehow. Somehow you can't fall out of the, a, a boat and hit the ocean where everyone else is just drafting receivers left, right, and center all over the draft. Yeah, the Patriots should be, if if their their personnel department is good, they should be able to go, what, quarterback, You'll probably get a tackle maybe in the second round, and then you go third, fourth round at wide receiver. Other teams are doing it. The Patriots need to start doing it. And and if you go to a a more simple offense, like it seems like Gerard Mayo looks to be going in that direction with his interviews, then that should make it easier on everybody. Got Tom and Quincy on Bill Belichick. Hi, Tom. Hey, what's going on, guys? Mike, you kind of said this a little while ago. Um, With Belichick not really getting many shots here, um, the question I had was, you know, do you think it's based on this list of demands that comes along with him? Um, or is it maybe some part of it is his age where he's only going to be sticking around for a couple of years? If that's the case, is there um, a team out there where Belichick maybe would um, take some of those demands away to maybe push a team over the top without control of the roster? Yeah, well, so, or is it... well, that's my point, Tom. It's like, if Bill said to Jerry Jones, or he said to the Pagulas, or maybe out even in L.A. with the Chargers and Justin Herbert, I don't need control of the roster. I don't need to blow out your entire staff. I like your quarterback. I'm going to work with him, and you don't have to make me the highest paid. I just want to come in here and put you over the top and break a record and win you a championship. I think he'd have a market. I think. I would hope that he is doing it that way. I don't think he is. Well, then and that's I, a and mistake. I, and I have no, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just what I would. Your gut. My gut is that Bill's going to come in with his big swinging schmenzer. I get paid. I, I was making 25. I want 25. I had full control. I want full control. I want to be able to handle the staff, handle the roster. I'm in charge of your finances. Uh, meanwhile, all these guys you have in the front office, that bozo, that idiot, that clown, fired, fired, fired. And in which case, all these owners go, I'm going to do all this for three years? Oh, this grouse? No, thank you. And that kills his market. That's just my guess. Because if, 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 if he did the first thing that I said, which is just, you know, agree to just what Andy Reid did when he went to Kansas City. I don't need personnel. They're coming with my system for your offense, and I'll work with you on your people, on your terms. Uh, like, I think you'd have jo- – I think. So I have to believe he's being a prick about the thing, just given what we know about him. I mean, if he asks all that stuff from you, would you hire him? No. Me neither. Me neither. And, and you know what? Frankly, if he's doing that, then he deserves to end up with no offers. Right. So, like, I, you know, and that's the case. See you later. Retire. Enjoy your time on the beach, and bye-bye. Ten questions with the big boy coming your way after this. First, caller number 10 to the contest line, 617-931-0985. We'll score a pair of tickets to see the Bruins take on the Hurricanes tomorrow night at the Garden. Limited tickets are still available. You can visit bostonbruins.com slash tickets to lock in your spot and be there to cheer on the bees. Freebies, go to caller number 10 at 617-931-0985. Ten questions with the big boy right after this. LinkedIn. to ask the question. Do you have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go? Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 questions.
questions with Greg Bedard and Thelger and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Right, a weekly segment, 10 questions in 10 minutes. We've given ourselves a, a few extra uh, seconds here, so a little extra room to breathe, but we still got to stay on time. So, Jimmy, what are our buzzer options? I'm the leader of this organization. Okay, Sam Kennedy getting his ass booed at FanFest. Milliken's a moron. There you go. That pretty much says it all. I appreciate you, uh, Thunder. I call him Young Thundercat. Oh, my God. That was so cringy. Next. I took a break. I went to Optum. I needed a break from Bill. Ah, well said. Next. Last one and my personal favorite. I was right, damn it. Screw you, Bedard. <laughs> what was that for? Joe oh, Murray. Obvious. Joe Murray yeah. the other day. Zappy Jones. Uh, I'll, quarterback I'll competition. Be right forever. Go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, that was it. Go ahead. Hit one. I was right, damn it. Screw you, Bedard. Number 10. What's preventing Buffalo from getting over the hump? I want to say it's McDermott, and you can make a case for that. But for me, it's how the team's constructed. Offensively, they are a they're a dome team playing in Buffalo, and defensively, they just they just play McDermott's scheme. They're built for that, and it's not good enough in today's NFL. I want to say McDermott too, and I will say McDermott. He's the problem. Lance him off. The heavyweight of institutional failure. They're the Buffalo Bills, so something's always going to happen. The Al Qaeda loving coach, he has to go. And let's be honest, the quarterback, while incredibly talented, is kind of a dope. Is, is the quarterback the problem, Greg? Where, uh, where was this? Josh B- Allen, Buffalo. A little bit of no, a dope. No, he's not the problem. He just needs he needs better talent around him. He he needs an offense that, that isn't just oh Josh, make a play out of your rear end all the time. <laughs> Next, shoot another play out your ass. <laughs> Milliken's a moron. Is San Francisco vulnerable, or are the Packers a stronger team than they were given credit for? San Francisco is always vulnerable if they can't play from ahead. To Mass's point about the defensive line, they are built on getting a lead, their running game, getting into uh, advantageous pass rushing situations, or else if they got to play it straight up, if the Lions come out there and they're physical and beat them up and take a lead early, it's going to go down to the end, and Kyle Shanahan is not good at the end of games. He's not. If I were the Niners, I would give the quarterback some bananas, white rice bread, good starchy, thick products to bottle him up because he's going to crap his pants on Sunday otherwise. (laughs) He's an accident waiting to happen. I'm telling you, remember, last year he got knocked out of the playoffs, and then did you see him in this past game, the bouncing throws to the side? He's terrified. He's going to cost him in addition to the defensive line. I will say the Packers are better than we thought. Innovative playbook, quarterback got better by the week, a lot of young talent around him on that side of the ball. Packers better. Uh, How do you bottle someone up, Mez? Oh, bananas, white rice, starch. Get them good and constipated. White rice bottles you up? Yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> That's the first I Dr. Maz over All here. Right, yeah. way, next. I eat a lot of starch. Heck, thick starch. Next. I appreciate you, uh, Thunder. I call him Young Thundercat. Number eight. Jared Goff or Brock Purdy? Goff. Goff. He's, he's taller, bigger, and he doesn't melt when it rains like Brock Purdy does. Goff. Uh, I hate both, but I'll go with Goff because the online discourse about Purdy is just way more annoying than anything else. Why do you hate Goff? Uh, because I've been right about him since day one. He's a he's a he's a pants crapper, and he still has yet to do it. But he's come close so far in these two playoff games. That doesn't sound like a reason to hate somebody. It's sports hate. I don't like hate him. If I saw him, I'd want to spit in his face. Maybe <laughs> he's going to fight him <laughs> next. <laughs> I, I told you you sucked. <laughs> I took a break. I went to Optum. I needed a break from Bill. I ask this every time it comes up. 
Should the NFL change the rule that says a fumble through the end zone is a loss of possession and a touchback, as happened to Miko Hardman and the Chiefs this week? It is way too punitive. It's got to be changed. I'm with Big Jim. It's absurd that the guy can fumble out at the one-yard line. They still have possession, can score a touchdown. But just because it goes into the end zone, they didn't recover it. All of a sudden, they lose the ball. No, it should be previous spot, loss of down, 10 to 15 yards. That's what it should be. I like it the way it is. Leave but it alone. You I'm, fumble it out through the end zone, that's your problem. I'm sorry. Loss of 10 to 15 yards? How are you coming up with that number? Oh, so a loss of, I don't know, pick one. Whatever you want. Well, we'll put wait, 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 10 wait, yards. Wait, hold on. My so, penalty would be so he's gonna, previous spot, loss of down, and 10 yards. Okay, you're just totally pulling that out of your ass. I'm giving you an alternative. <laughs> no, but it, it... Yeah, of course I'm yes, pulling it out ass. of my rear end. Well, no, but it's based on nothing to do with the rules of the game or the way the game is played. The ball goes through the end zone, it's a touchback. The ball goes over the end line, it's a touchdown or a touchback or a safety. The end line is treated safety is treated differently in every is is treated differently than the field of play in all those situations. Now you're just gonna come with some sort of arbitrary thing? Yes. Yeah, uh, the consequence does not meet the action. It, it's it doesn't match the action. So put it at the twenty five and take take away it down. Of course it meets the action. It is also the best rule in sports because not everyone knows it. It separates the dumb teams from the smart teams. It represents and separates the smart team-oriented player from the dumb, selfish player. I've talked about this that's, a lot. That's a separate argument. You're talking about under the rule. Yes, that's what it does. But should it be that way? That's yes. a separate argument on whether the rules should continue the, the way they is. I say no. Of course it should be. If you get tackled in the end zone, it's a safety. If the ball crosses the plane of the goal, it's a touchdown. If the ball rolls out through the back of the end zone, it's a touchback or a safety given the situation. The end zone is treated differently in every situation, including that one. And it's perfectly consistent with the rules of American football. And the fact that it drives people crazy and dumbass players fall victim to it every single week is all the more reason to keep it. In fact, Greg, you know what? You're so adamant about it. Not only do I think it should stay in as it is, I think the quarterback should be ejected. Why does the why does the why does the defense get rewarded like that for doing nothing? They didn't even recover the ball. Right. Yeah. It's it th- went out of bounds. You want the ball, recover the ball. It's the same reason why a touchback's a touchback or a safety's a safety. It's like intentional or a tu- grounding. Or a touchdown is a touchdown. It's the same reason. It's because when you get to those goal lines, the stakes are, are, are raised on both sides of the ball in every situation, as it should be. I love it. Every time it happens, I love it. Dumbass. Reach the ball over the goal line on first down. Definitely you- shouldn't be a touchback. It, it, at the least, give the offense the ball at the one-yard line. That makes no make, sense. Make them get the ball out. It makes no sense. Why, why are you rewarding the other team? It's not It's consistent. We're doing with the, nothing. The rules they did nothing. of American football. Next. I was right, damn it. Screw you, Bedard. Thoughts on how the final four teams have been built, Greg? It, the two conferences are two different ways. The NFC, you have the teams that are built. Uh, build the team up first, figure out the quarterback later. And in the AFC, they are franchise, big money, quarterbacks where they build everything around uh, around that quarterback so i i just find it very interesting and to see how this whole thing plays out which would you rather be i want the team because you can win in different ways what happens if your quarterback gets hurt with the 49ers it's not a big deal we've seen what happens with the ravens when lamar jackson goes down or if when patrick mahomes gets a you know a foot injury that one year where they lost in the super bowl so i i like in in a team sport the ultimate team sport i like the team concept Look, I like the team concept, too. I think the other one wins, though. So I think the winner's coming out of the AFC this year. Yeah, I'm a QB elitist. Two teams have quarterbacks worth a damn. Two don't. 
Guess who I'm pulling for? <laughs> Next. <laughs> Milliken's a moron. Tool bag question. Biggest tool bag from Divisional Weekend, please. So this is very minor, but it just irritates me. Good. John Lynch on the sideline before the game's over in a divisional round game, congratulating guys, giving out big, big hugs. Like, just go stay in the box. Like, go win something. Then you can get on the sideline and hug people. Like a Super Bowl, not a divisional game. I thought that was lame. Nicole Hardman fumbled out of the end zone, fumbled early in the game on that side of the field. Same play. And I thought uh, Kansas City had the stupidest receiver in the league in Kadarius Tony. Turns out they have the top two. Uh, the Packers weenie kicker. And Thank yep, you. Jordan Love, <laughs> the throw to end it was awful, but it all went to hell when that idiot missed that kick. All the momentum went to San Francisco. Purdy could have been blindfolded. They were going to find a way to win that game because the Packers blew it when that idiot missed that kick. I was going to tie between the Packers idiot kicker and the Bills idiot kicker. You freaking tool bags. Gaggers. Next. I took a break. I went to Optum. I needed a break from Bill. All right. Since the Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo in October 17, the list of quarterbacks they passed on in the draft, and this is I'm going to go between Garoppolo and Mac Jones. They passed on Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph, Drew Locke, Jordan Love, and Jalen Hurts. I put a couple names in there just to fill out the list. (laughs) But of those five guys, who should they regret most? For passing on. No question, Lamar Jackson. It's set up perfectly. You traded Garoppolo in the fall of 2017. Lamar Jackson was in the next draft, right there where you could have drafted him. He could have sat for a year or two behind Brady and then took over, and you could have had that going on. And they just completely blew it up. Why? Because Belichick was throwing a temper tantrum because Robert made him trade Garoppolo. Lamar Jackson. He's not a pure pocket passer, obviously. Ran for 100 yards this past week. Can beat you in a lot of different ways. I go Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I think it would have worked, too, because McDaniels didn't just want him. He was enough of a project at that time that Brady didn't have to worry about him. It's Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson. A case to be made for Jalen Hurts. You didn't have to use a first-round pick on him, which, I, you know, sort of like a line of demarcation. I appreciate (laughs) If you think Jalen Hurts is good. Sort of like a line of demarcation. I do think Jalen Hurts is good. Uh, Certainly good enough. Uh, Next, Jimmy, now. I appreciate you, uh, Thunder. I call him Young Thundercat. The Detroit Lions have famously never won a Super Bowl or even been to one. The only other teams to have never even made the Super Bowl are the Jaguars, Texans, and Cleveland Browns. Are there any of those four who you hope never make it because you're just a bad person and you like bad things to happen to certain people? <laughs> hope? I, I would. If I had to pick one, it would be the Jaguars. Just because if the Jaguars win the Super Bowl, who's going to care? It's going to be the dumbest storyline like ever. Jags, easily the Jags, please. I think they should be kicked out of the league right now. Half in Europe. In fact, I, I would, I would kick them off of planet Earth. Cleveland Browns, they're synonymous with misery, and it should remain that way. It's funny if they never get there and win. Is it so? This is what I like, Murray. You, you, like the the shots of the Buffalo Bills fans crying. You must. Oh, have. it's that night again. It's been a terrible season for the NFL, in my opinion. That night, it made it all right because it's everything I want. Wildly entertaining game. Two quarterbacks going toe-to-toe and then just misery pouring up the wazoo at the end. Like, oh, never going to happen in my lifetime. That's right, bum. It's never going to happen in your lifetime because you're in western New York and you root for that team. It's just the best. Wide right 2.0. I couldn't ask for anything more. (laughs) Milliken's a moron. If you could pick, okay, along these lines, if you could pick any one team to win any one championship, any league, any sport, who would you most want to see win the next one? This you can go to your your you know be a fan. Like who do you want to win the next championship in all sports? 
I would like to see the Cleveland Guardians win. I, I've just had an affinity for the for the Indians slash Guardians. I wish Tito was still there. It'd be even better if he was the one to do it, similar to like he did in in, in Boston. Uh, but the Guardians would be my pick. Minnesota Vikings. Ugh. I they you're, they're always good. They're always good. They're never awful. What do you think? I used to Thunder? love the Vikings when I was a kid too. I don't know why, but I did. I was into the Purple People Eaters, Chuck Foreman, the whole nine yards. The Boston Bruins. Prove to me that 2011 wasn't the one random fluke I'll see from these a holes in my whole entire life. The Bruins. Bru- I need another one. Bruins are up there for me. They're third. Hard to pick anyone over the Packers, but if I did, it's the Milwaukee Brewers. Hey, we can I have one World Series? Just one. Sure. It just could. You know, I think that would be the team. Next, last one. I was right, damn it. Screw you, Bedard. Same question in reverse. What's the last team, any league, any sport you want to see win a title? No question, the Yankees. Fun fact, I still haven't seen the Yankees celebrate that 2009 championship with A-Rod. I refuse to watch and to acknowledge it. So in my mind, it never happened. (laughs) Boston fill in the blank. (laughs) <laughs> Mass. You that's a joke i was kidding so i actually go with the mets i mean see, the mets just find ways to lose they find ways to lose and they deserve it frankly the buffalo bills you don't actually want to catch the rabbit and i think the boston red sox are proof of this there's certain franchises in sports you will lose all your fun loser charm you become another team you become the most insufferable fan base on planet earth the Bills being losers is better for the sport. It's better for everyone. And it's the one thing we can still count on for continued comedy. The Bills don't ever want to win a championship. Trust me on that. So I've told you that my one sporting goal, even more than I want the Brewers or the Packers or the Bucks or whatever, the Bruins, to win a championship, I want Montreal not to win one. That's Good my one. lifelong goal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer I have on the planet. Hopefully somewhere around. You might make it. 30, can I can I go the rest of my life without a single Montreal Stanley Cup? I'm it's the same in play. with the Yankees. Yeah, that's in play. I think you'll get that. I, I you know, I, I'm not worried about it anytime soon. But again, we got a long way to go. But that's that's the last team, uh, and thus concludes ten questions. We'll get back to your phones on everything right after Murray's update. Hey, Mike. Michael Felger. Real good talk on grass earlier there, buddy. Don't be afraid to do that on your own time. Tony Maserati. I don't remember Brady squeezing anybody's grave. Felger and Mars on the Sports Hub. Let's go back to the phones here with Greg Bedard. Nick is in Needham. Go ahead, Nick. What do you got? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, back to the Bill and Bill's idea. If Bill won a Super Bowl with Allen, um, would it or could it change or alter in any way the narrative of him needing Brady or an elite quarterback to have success? I know the question might seem a little counterintuitive, but even though Allen's great, it's not easy to win with two quarterbacks and two different teams. And I can't imagine Bill blowing it with 13 seconds, calling a fake punt deep in his own territory. In that situation, you know, great coaches don't lose games. Great players win them. And to be fair, no matter who you are, if you don't have a great quarterback, you might as well take IT courses because you're not going to win with Trent Dilfer in this league anymore. Okay, Belichick attaching himself to an elite quarterback and winning with that elite quarterback. How does that impact the legacy question? I'll defer that to Big Jim Murray. This is his area. Oh, you know, it dents it a little bit because you couldn't do it without great quarterbacks. I mean, how can it not? It would still, like, I mean, look, he would still be looked at as the greatest coach of all time, but it takes a little bit of a dent. You needed the quarterback to do it. I just don't see where that hurts him. That's true of everyone. Yes. You need a quarterback. Yes, fact. And I'd have I'd have less respect for him if he went to a place with a mediocre or bad quarterback just because he doesn't want to deal with it. I'd like to think he's given up on that whole thing. 
Like, you tried it, dude. You tried it. You you pushed Brady out the door. You just threw crap against the wall, and it didn't work. And so you're going to still try to do that and try and prove you can win without an elite quarterback because you don't think it's important, or you're just going to give in to that and <laughs> attach yourself to a good quarterback like every other good coach and do what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I just want him in a place where there are stakes. Like, he, you know, again, if he's just going to go to Atlanta and get the record, I don't care. But if he's going to go to somewhere, go somewhere and try to win a Super Bowl while doing it, well, that changes the whole story for me. That's that's good stuff. Now there's expectation that he has to live up to. That to me makes it fun. If if he went to Buffalo, I will say he he'll. I think he'll earn even more respect. It won't be about the quarterback thing, but I I just don't. I think the Bills need a lot of things to win a Super Bowl. I don't think they're that close. Yes, you have the quarterback, but. Uh, in terms of offensive approach, defensive approach, they have to. They, McDermott is one of these guys who does what he does, you know, really defensively, and now they'd have to completely change. So if Bill went there and transformed the Bills into a Super Bowl winner, uh, I'd have a lot of respect for that. Uh, we've got Mike and Saugus on the touchback rule. Yes, Mike. How you doing? All right, getting back to that. You know, when you see these quarterbacks come out of the pocket or the shotgun, they're trying to scramble, trying to find a receiver, right? They call a guy for just barely being inside, and they call him intentional grounding. How can uh, walking up to the line, taking a ball, spiking it right away to stop the clock, why, is that, why isn't that more of intentional grounding than anything? They, yet they let them do that, but they don't let them try to scramble and try to find a receiver. And they call intentional grounding for that when there's no one in the area. Mike, I say this with all the love and respect in my heart. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Do you have one single clue what he's talking about? He, he wonders why um, the the spike play is not intentional grounding if it is you know outside the pocket. And it's just a provision. They want to give Oh, on screen passes. Well, just in general. He's talking about like if a guy just takes the ball and spikes it into the turf – how is that different than a guy just intentionally throwing the ball away, you know, in the pocket? Like and, I said, I don't yeah. know what the hell he's asking. <laughs> yeah, what so, I would tell him is that because I don't know what the hell you're, you're just, talking about. If you're just about chucking now. it into the ground, why should it differ? Like the the, the the clocking it, shouldn't you get a flag there if you're just throwing it into the ground when no one's around? They, that was his point. So what I would argue is the purpose of that play is to stop the clock. Right. Yes. There's no deception to it. There's no, it wasn't drawn up. It's not a failed play. When the quarterback starts running around looking for a receiver, something broke down. Someone didn't get open. The defense forced it a little bit. With a clock stoppage, it's just that they were out of timeouts. It's another way to stop the clock. It's allowed. It's a rule. I like it the way it is. Yeah, I got no problem with it. You're telling me like I was the caller. Oh, sorry. I was blaming you, Murray. <laughs> I honestly still don't get what anyone's talking about. It's okay. What, 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 what does it have to do with the touchback rule and fumbling the ball out of the end zone? Oh, it, it doesn't. doesn't. I Nothing. Think, I think he thinks both rules are stupid. Yeah. Clocking the stopping the clock is not stupid. It's to promote offense. It's another thing that promotes offense and two minute drills and scoring at the end of games. I think if you want something that, that I think the league should have adopted a long time ago is the college rule where the clock stops for a time on first downs as they set the change chains. And I know that college has sort of gotten away from that. They only do that now in the last two minutes, I think, versus the whole game or, or something like that. Last four minutes, maybe last two. I can't remember, but. I think they should do that. Don't you think games are long enough? Yeah, I'm no, fine with it. I do not think games are long enough. The college game takes four and a half hours. It's not be- excruciating. Yep. Not because of that. It's because they replay every single time. That's some, true. Someone's butt hair gets out of place. It, targeting, launching, it, they or they replay every GD thing. 
in college football, and that's what takes those games so long. Then you add in the TV timeouts, that's the problem there. Uh, the stopping the clock with under two minutes left when someone gets a first down trying to tie the game in a last-minute situation, I never think it's dragging there. I never feel that. It's just through the run of play. It's through the course of play. The stopping the clock and going to commercial every effing two minutes to see if someone hits someone with the crown of their helmet. It's painful. I want to keep the clock moving. It's just painful. But uh, the, the, the fumble out of the end zone touchback rule, again, the greatest rule in sports. I do like that one. And if you don't agree, you got a giant dump in your pants. Greg. And let me go change. Yeah, long, me too. Big dump here. Long commercial you free. You and Murray both smell. Long commercial free segment comes your way next. Ready or not, it's more Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. But I think many people will be surprised to see you putting Jaden Daniels ahead of Drake May, two versus three. Why do you give the edge to the Heisman winner there? He was remarkable, and I went to Herm Edward. Herm compares him to Randall Cunningham. I know Lamar Jackson comps are going to be out there, but Herm said he was Randall Cunningham. I'll take that. I think the dual threat ability, Greeny, the what he did this year and last year, he th- the great thing about Jaden is he is aggressive with his legs, he's aggressive with his arm, but he doesn't turn the ball over. And to strike that balance is really rare and really impressive to me. And I think when you look at Jaden Daniels, the way he can attack a defense, the fear factor player he is, defense coordinators don't want to have to scheme to try to handle this guy. And, and, and Drake May didn't have that super unbelievable season that he needed to have. He had some struggles against Virginia, NC State, a couple games where he was throwing some picks, not really basically precise and accurate with throws that were easy throws that you got to make. But Drake also had a new coordinator. He didn't have Josh Downs. He didn't have Tez Walker early in the year. So you can excuse away some things. Bottom line is I'm not going to hate on Drake May. I really like Drake May. But when you talk about the second overall pick right now, I think Jaden Daniels right now has the edge going into this whole draft process leading up to late April. Mel Kuyper this morning moving Jaden Daniels ahead of Drake May into number two in his draft order. He does have quarterback, quarterback, quarterback in his latest mock draft. Drake May going to the Patriots. Do you have a thought on that, Greg? Have you had a chance to sample any of these guys yet and really dig yourself into it or talk to people or anything? Not really. A very little bit. Now, I have watched a little bit of Daniels, and I'll be very interested to see how tall he is when he comes out. I mean, because I think LSU listed him as six foot four. I don't think he's six foot four. I think he's closer to six foot two. My worry with him, and I do think. Um, he's special in a lot of ways that he can he can use his legs he can use his arm he, his deep touch is unbelievable and he can throw the ball different ways different touch uh can fire it in there can 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 get the touch passes deep down the field i worry about his size he's he's got a big torso he's got smaller legs he's got skinny legs like he's a little bit more towards uh Bryce Bryce Young than he is C.J. Stroud. And if you go that route, I don't have a problem with that, but you better find a viable backup who is very similar to him in terms of style that you can plug and play. And, like, I think Maz mentioned at one time about how, you know, Washington went with uh, RG3 and Kirk Cousins in the same draft. If you go Jaden Daniels, you get somebody similar to him, similar style, later fifth, sixth round, something like that. That might be something I'm interested in because – 
You go with one of these athletic quarterbacks, you're pro- especially if he's undersized, you're probably going to lose him at some point. So you got to do what Baltimore has done. That's what you're talking about. Yep. You go get guys that can back up oh. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so I you- wish they had a guy like Malik Cunningham is still here. I mean, <laughs> that would be really a perfect though. guy. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a, it, it makes sense what he's saying, though. Do you have a thought? Daniels, May, et cetera? I'm, surpri- I'm surprised. I'm surprised that uh, Kuyper jumped him. Because uh, to me, Daniels is raw. There's no question about it. May's more of a finished product, sort of your more prototypical pocket passer. And May's athletic, too. It's not like he's just a, you know, a, what's the phrase? Like a totem pole back there you're just firing away at. So uh, I'm surprised that he, that he moved him up a spot. You know, what concerns me from the Patriots' standpoint is now you're what? You're at the mercy of what everyone else does? Mm-hmm. So that's the part I don't like. Like, if you, if there's a guy you want, then trade up to number two to go get him or trade up to one and, go, like, work it out. Or, you know, if you like all three, great, but I have a hard time believing that. Three scares me. I feel better about two. A lot better. Three scares well, me. Well, you got three, and you're going to have to figure it out. I told you, if you don't get the guy you want, take another position, trade down, do something like that. So tackle and a bum. You can live with that. Maybe. It's all scary. It's all scary up there, as we've uh, pointed out to you. Whether you're one, two, or three, desperate for a quarterback, you draft a quarterback up there, it usually doesn't work. Uh, So that's that's the backdrop, and it's a tough call, and you got to have some, I don't know, discipline or you got to, somehow you got to figure that out where most teams don't. And it's still concerning to me that, uh, I don't know, who do you have making that call? Your head coach isn't ready. The guys that are already on your staff, I'd be dubious of. If the owner gets involved, I'd be even more dubious. So that's as big of a question to as me as it, whether it's May or Daniels or whoever. It's who's making the call. And, and do we trust that individual? That's as big a part of the story to me as anything. Let's wrap it up with a couple quick calls here for uh, Greg. Here's uh, Ron in Worcester. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, big boy. How you doing? Good. What's up, Ron? Hey, give me your two Super Bowl people. Who's going to the game? Who are the two Super Bowl people? (laughs) (laughs) Who are the two Super Bowl people? Uh, If you ask me last week, I'll just tell you, Ron, if you asked me last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Baltimore, San Fran, Baltimore, San Fran, Baltimore, San Fran. I'm now Kansas City, San Fran. I'm not going to make that mistake about, you know, I, I I see what the Chiefs are with Patrick Mahomes. I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the Lions and the Chiefs. I think I think the Lions are feeling themselves. I don't think that the 49ers are, are as tough as they they think. And I do think that Purdy. I don't have a lot of confidence in Purdy. I just don't in these big big moments. I'm leading Baltimore, Detroit. Of course, I have a little bit of a vested interest. Before the season, I put money on a handful of teams to win the Super Bowl. The Ravens were one of them. So I'm hard on the Ravens, so to speak. We've got uh, Rob in Rhode Island. Hi, Rob. Hey, guys. Um, Greg, do you think that the D- Detroit coach will go for two points again from the seven-yard line if he gets at the end of the game again like the dope did a few weeks ago? He, he I, I got to say, love Dan Campbell, but, man, when he has something in his mind, he is not deviating from it. He is, he is going to be adamant. He'll keep going for it and going for it forever. Yeah, I mean, he, that game feels like a coaching mismatch. He just might. I mean, it does. Uh, but he just might because that's who he is. Larry and Andover for Greg. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Hey, Greg, a few weeks ago you were talking about grading systems and how they evaluate players. 
Do you think they need to revise that? They sure miss a lot of good players, especially on the offensive side. Receivers. I'm thinking of a couple for the Packers that nobody knew about. The, the guy from uh, the Rams, the guy from BYU, nobody heard about him. How do they miss these guys? Okay, is it their grading system, or they just don't know what they're looking at? Or is Belichick just going his own route and picking his own people? That's uh, that's what I think with the Patriots with no GM interviews so far is telling you it was Bill's fault. Bill was picking the wrong people, and he wasn't as collaborative as possible. Do I think they need to revamp uh, their system a little bit? Probably. There's a little bit of adjustments, uh, but, you know, look, it's all going to depend. Who's going to be running the personnel department, and what do they want to run with? I think they will have to. You'll have to tweak the system, depending on who they hire as offensive coordinator. Different things are going to be emphasized. You know, they're going to be looking for different types of receivers. We can toss out a lot of the stuff about, the Patriots want this at a wide tight end. They want this at a slot. And, like, look at this three-cone dri- Like, that stuff goes all out the window. This is new for a lot of people. Uh, Mike and Nashua on the touchback rule. Yes, Michael? Yeah, I originally called about that. I agree with you, Mike, that um, it's a good rule. I also think if the offense fumbles out of bounds, it should be a turnover. But you guys are nuts for picking the Chiefs. Baltimore's not just winning. They're destroying everybody. I, I don't get that part. Okay, well, because I've they seen Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is I've seen that complicated? this movie before. This is like what it was with Brady. It is. You know? That's what I was going to say. It's like th- people said the same things about when Brady was there, and he always won. And who was the one team that gave Brady trouble in the playoff? Baltimore. Uh, so, uh, I mean, so I'm acting like I know who's going to win. I don't know. I'm the worst picker of games that I know. So, like, I'm going to like, say you're some sort of idiot for picking Baltimore. It's a great matchup. Uh, to me, I just KC also, you know, they've complimented Mahomes well coaching wise. I mean, Spagnola, that's a he's a proven big game defensive coordinator. Right? Tremendous. Do I need to tell you that? I mean, you've experienced that firsthand, obviously, and so I think you just sort of add those two things together, and they're and 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 they're formidable. That's not just a pure finesse team going in there to Baltimore. What's the weather supposed to be, by the way? There, do we know? Good question. Well, let me look that up. Yeah, that's, it's curious. I mean, not that Kansas City can't handle it. Cold. Obviously, they paid you know in ten degree uh, weather last week, but that would be interesting. I, I I hope it's a weather game. You know, they are saying uh, bitterly cold for a Ravens playoff game. The high temperature of around twenty, winds west fifteen to twenty miles per hour, with gusts up to thirty miles per hour. Ooh, wind with a wind chill feel like that feels like zero to fifteen degrees. Oh Dude, boy, really? Yeah, that's not what I got here. I got forty nine and rain. Well, I'm looking at WBAL TV. Right out of Baltimore. Well, I do go to the local TV stations when I want the most accurate weather, and I'm not even kidding. The local TVs are usually the closest. Well, no, um, I would say that how the weather goes generally, what you two both just gave is accurate. They, 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 somewhere yeah. between that? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's <laughs> right. <laughs> both talking it's out of our ass. Yeah. Yeah. The, the weather.com is 49 and rain. Either way, big boy, thanks for coming in. Hey, one thing I just wanted to, to say. The Patriots are adamant that Jonathan Kraft is not involved in the coaching interviews and that it's Gerard Mayo. I just wanted to air that. As equal time. Okay. The Patriots are adamant that Jonathan Kraft is not making football decisions. Did you just get an angry text in the last like five um, minutes? Maybe. <laughs> okay. They're also adamant that the team has nothing to do with who gets into the team hall of fame. That is purely <laughs> a fan vote. How many things are the Patriots adamant about? They're also adamant <laughs> that Robert Kraft has never set a budget 
and that the spending is entirely up to the coach. That he, that he never interfered with football matters. They are also adamant. I mean, we, we could go on. Uh, definitely. <laughs> See, I, I, I never get Just those, pointing it out. I never get those texts, Greg, because they gave up on me. All oh, that's a <laughs> file under lost cause here on Felgar Mass. Greg, thanks for coming in. See you, boys. Breaking you news go. across the National Basketball Association that impacts the Boston Celtics. That and some Bruins talk. And some Celtics talk. We'll do that all coming up uh, right after Murray gets you updated. Here's the latest with that NBA news. Again, if you want to talk B's or C's, now is your chance. 617-779-0985 to you right after the headlines. No commercials.